Then I sat down with the staff and all of a sudden I've got two full-time doctors, three physios, strength and conditioning coaches, goalkeeping coaches, outfield coaches, analysts. And I've got all these staff and I'm thinking, oh, okay. I've just sat there and said, listen, I've got empathy for you, empathy for you, empathy. I understand, right? Now, what we've got is only a small amount of time on the grass every day. Our job is to extract every ounce of potential we've got out of the player. Hello and welcome to the Supporting Champions podcast. My name is Steve Ingham and in these discussions I explore how we perform, how we support others to perform and the underpinning knowledge and concepts at play. Now the reference point is sporting performance, coaching, performance science, athlete experience but equally I'm fascinated by other performance fields too such as the military or performing arts. And the one thing that you will get from listening to the Supporting Champions podcast is variety, because it's my firm belief that supporting ourselves, supporting others to perform requires diversity of thought, breadth and perspective to complement our natural inclination for deep expertise. I hope you enjoyed the conversation in today's episode or from the back catalogue. And if you do, please subscribe to the show. Leave a review on iTunes in particular. That really helps the show. And if you're feeling like supporting and championing us, then tell a friend, colleague or share what you've enjoyed on social media. We'd love to hear your thoughts. This week's guest is Nigel Adkins, who is an English professional football manager and former player and actually a physiotherapist. So Nigel has managed and coached football teams at the top level. So having gone from the Bangor City, the Scunthorpe United to Southampton Football Club and Reading in the Premier League. So Nigel's vastly experienced in the world of football, having been there and done it as a player, but also as a coach and as a and part of the backroom staff too. And what's interesting about Nigel is that he's actually sharing some of the demands. What's it like behind the scenes for a manager? What are the pressures that they're under? What are the things that they do that can help them survive and thrive in that environment? What do they do in task away from the football environment? What are the sorts of qualities that they're looking for in the staff that they they take with them in their clubs. So what's interesting to get into in this conversation is the demands upon the modern manager. And my question really being is whether the business thinking is keeping pace when you're trying to develop sustainable long-term high performance. Well, thank you so much for, for connecting tonight. I'm really excited just to, to tap into the voice that I've heard from you recently, just about that that sense of how you survive, thrive, live, work, what support you get as a as a football manager. And just listening to you there in that pre-discussion around you know how you how you cope between. That's just as fascinating as how you cope um, within a role. Um, that that sense also of of the support you're providing 
in confidence behind the scenes, away from the, perhaps the front line, perhaps outside of the club, just a hotline to some support. That's, is that something that increasingly people are looking for, for football managers who need kind of a go-to coach, a bit of support, um, an outlet that, that's not within the club? I think we, um, we talk about football managers, but that's life in general. I think we all need support. I think we all need someone to speak to, especially in these challenging times, in confidence, somebody to not speak to, but someone who's going to be prepared to listen to what you've got to say so you can unload it. And then maybe there might be some experiences they've had over their, their years to maybe guide you down the line, but ultimately you've got to go and do it. But it is, it's a challenging role, especially now football management. You know, I've been 40 odd years I've been in the game. And like you see it now that the the life expectancy in respect of being in, in a job is so small now. The LMA stats come out 55% of first time managers never work again if they lose the job. You know, I think what's it that managers get maybe 10 games now, six games, maybe a year of the lucky. You know, it's crazy compared to when you look at the successful Sir Alex Ferguson. Arsene Wenger, 20, 24 years. Um, that was a challenge to start off with Sir Alex, but you know, over a period of time you can you can build. You know, you've got to get your recruitment right, which is so important in all aspects of life, because you're going to be judged on that. And the modern manager now, how much influence does he actually have on the recruitment of players? That's probably changed from the, the older days. There's so many more people who are involved in it. The stakeholders are involved, the owners, the directors of football, the heads of recruitment. They're just three departments that a manager has to be relatable with, be relatable to. And maybe he's judged on the players that are brought in. He might only have a very small influence on the player that's brought in. The title of manager's now gone to head coach. And basically, when you look at it, the the head coach is there. He's provided with a group of players. There should be an identity to where you recruit to or recruit from. But he's given a group of players and it's kind of like, over you go, you've got to win. I remember I spoke to one man, uh, owner. I asked him one thing very, very early on. I said, uh, go on. Uh, mention his name. I said, words of wisdom, bit of experience. You know, you've seen it all before. What? Words of wisdom can you give to me? He said, it's quite simple, Nigel. You can do whatever you want, but if you lose six games, you're sacked. So there's the parameters of where you know a football manager is now. And you when you look at when a manager is sacked, you look at the the statements given out by the clubs, and a lot of the times it's all about results. The results haven't been good enough. I and mean, again, we're in a modern era now where we want everything yesterday. It's the immediate world that we live in. So the pressurised situation of a manager, mm. you look at the 24-hour, 24-7 media coverage, and you look at how many people are involved in that media coverage and how many people have got an opinion. And then you talk about social media, the way that is gone um, from the early days or when I was managing to what it what it is now everybody's got an opinion everyone's got a platform everyone's got a voice and all these pressures add now i know from my own experience you might be behind the scenes doing loads of really good thing collaborating with all the different members of departments we've got a good culture we've got players who are developing players who are overachieving players who are coming through you've got it all right but if you get beat on a saturday 
oh, that's irrelevant. That's where you, that's where you that's where you measured on your results on a Saturday. Now, for me, if you get your performance right, if you get your culture right, if you get the environment right, all these things add up to give you a better chance to get the results on a Saturday. Um, so it is. It's 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 a fascinating situation now that the modern managers placed in and i think as you just touched on before you have to understand that maybe you become a a manager you become the head coach there's a very good possibility and it's where you build your resilience you have to accept that you're going to lose your job at some point whether you whether you're part parcel of the the, the signing the contract of the this is likely to be terminated soon maybe not so soon, <laughs> maybe a little bit further in the future, but it's probable that it's going to happen soon. Yeah, I think you've just got to accept that is the situation. You know, so get make sure you get your contract right. You know, the Alameda League Managers Association, you know, get your contract sorted. The divorce clause is the most important one, if you like it. You have a yeah. 10-year contract, but if you've only got a two-weeks notice, then it's only a two-week contract, as an example. So you've got to get that right, and then you can able to put that to bed and focus all your energy on doing your job, you know, and that's that's the important thing. And then the important aspect is, is you know, if you lose your job, we're accepting that there's a, especially now, there's a high chance. It's what you do between jobs. Then it's the lessons you've learned in that job. I always journal. I've always kept records of what I've gone and done, and it's a great opportunity then to maybe go away, a bit of catharsisism if you like, where you just, what's the lessons I've learned from this experience rejuvenate yourself, get ready and go again. Now, I think, you know, how you look after your body is massively important because it could be that the body and the mind, you could have been in a situation where it's been really, really pressurized, really, really stressful. The world's on top of you. How you then recover from that, you got the job in the first place because you you were good. You were deemed to be good at doing that. Things might not have gone your way for certain reasons. Um, learn the lessons from that great experience you've got the resilience is to then go right i'm going to go again what can i what can i go and do to prepare myself for the for the next bit i always say to the to my players there's conversation say you are a self-employed businessman it's your career what do you want to get from it you know all i can do is provide you with the best members of staff support you with it it's up to you how much information you want to take on board nutritionists, sports science, coaches. We're trying to do everything we can. You've got to prolong your career. I always do a one-on-one meeting with the players. When I go into them, I have a meeting with everybody, but I always tell them, I say, I'm going to have a one-on-one meeting with you because I think that's massively important because they players need to understand, well, where's the manager seeing me in the grand scheme of things? And I'm just having that conversation. I always start off with, a, there's a, in my office, there's a piece of paper and I just get them to write down the name, the address, the family members, the agent, contact numbers. That's just a personal thing for me. And it's amazing just doing that, what I've learned, how many people can't write, can't write very well, um, how many people can't read and write. Actually, why one player who couldn't read, write, or tell the time? And he was 21 years of age. That was a scary thing. So how could I help him? Anyway, go back there. The question I would ask is, what's your purpose for getting out of bed in the morning and coming to work? Give me five reasons. And for me, that's a fascinating thing because I need to engage with the player. I need to understand where he's coming from so I can help him get the best out of him, how how I can see him fitting into the dynamics of our whole group, you know. 
very rarely say, I want to make loads of money. It's normally, I want to win something. I want to be the best I can go and be. I don't want to improve myself. I had one player who had won everything in the game. He's come towards the end of his career. Um, and he just said, listen, I know what you're trying to do with all the coaching, with all the players. And I'll find with that, all the youngsters, fine. All I want to do is just come in, have a game of five aside and a crack with the lads. Great, understood that. We then have a conversation about, fine, I understand where you're coming from, the end of your career, but you need to be a good role model and set the standards for all these young players that we've got because obviously you've won things at the highest level. And we got on great because it was an understanding of where he was, where he was. And obviously when he finished playing then, he had a, he had a, he had a challenging time because he didn't have that banter with the lads. He didn't have that belonging. He, as a lot of players are, and maybe a lot of managers are, lost once they lose that job right where's my identity now what am i doing you know we talk about football managers every morning every day you need to engage with everybody but you've got decisions to make all the time and all of a sudden when you lose your job the biggest decision you've got in the morning is am i going to have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee Do you know compared to all of the and normally when it comes to the manager the question get asked, it's normally if you've, if you've organized your staff correctly and your heads of departments and your departments, they're all, you want them to be leaders. You want them to go and manage situations. Normally if it comes on your desk, it's a major situation you've got to deal with. So it's kind of the mental energy that is, that is utilized or used up is, is a challenge. And again, when you, I'm, I'm, I'm going on and on and on, but I'm, I'm quite passionate about things like this and, and it, You've then faced with a situation where you've got the media twenty four hour. You, if you're in, you're in a job. You've got games. You've got pre build up mm. media to go and do. You've got straight after the game where the emotions are high. You've got questions that are getting fired at you. Obviously, I've managed two teams in the Premier League as well, and some some high profile football clubs. And um, there's a lot of media attention. Um, and so you've got to keep your nerve, having just had the emotion of the game, we're not losing the emotion of building all the way up to the game, dependent on the results and the reaction of the fans and how your team's gone and performed. You've then gone within a couple of minutes, you're facing the world and you've got to answer some difficult questions. And it's how you answer them questions are important for your team players, the fans the owners, the situation of the club, because you're responsible for that. So it's there's big, big pressures that are they're on there for football managers. That's for mm, wow, gosh, you've you've uh, you said that you're gonna explode the area, but it's lovely to hear you you talk with passion about and sharing the the constraints, the issues, the challenges there. Um can I can I come back and, and go through a few of those points? Yeah. Um for a manager to I'm 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 making some assumptions here, but but for a manager, a coach, a leader of the team, for them to do their best work, to have sort of the fire behind them all the time. I don't know whether that's the optimum conditions for them to be thinking, I'm gonna build something that sustains performance. And from a from a CEO or owner's point of view, that that's costly to to have turnover, and it doesn't seem as though it's it's benefiting the the results 
anyway, unless they're just trying and trying and trying and they find someone who actually gets results and they'll stick with it for a period of time. Yeah, I agree. I th- I'm only going to use my experience. Mm. Um, every club I've gone into, again, we talk about you get your contract done, you sign your contract, that's gone. So the acceptance is you're going to lose your job. Put that to bed, all right? That's the way it is. You have a moral responsibility to help everybody at the football club. You've got to think about performance. You've got to think about development. I've always made sure there's a pathway for the youth team, for the players to come through to the first team. That's our responsibility. We've got a responsibility to young human beings to help them. comes back to recruitment. You're going to recruit a manager because he's going to be the right fit for what you've got. It's very, very expensive recruiting players. So what's our identity? What are we looking for? This is the philosophy, if you like, what we, how we want to go and play. And we're going to recruit to that. Now, ultimately, manager comes in. His role is to also make sure that we get that team to go and win. So sometimes you've got to change your formations that suit the players that you've got that moment in time. But over a, a longer period of time, you should be able to recruit to how you want to go and play. Now, I've gone in at football clubs, but I've gone in all of a sudden, I've got five previous managers, players, and they're still under contract. And I'm thinking, well, they don't fit into how we want to go and play, but they're under a lot of money or they're they're under contract. How can I get them involved? Because they're here. You know, so you've got to adapt. You've got to be adaptable as well as in, in little ways. And they can be a big influence in the dressing room as well. They could be a not deemed a bad apple maybe they're just not at the right stage in their career it's not working out for them and maybe they want to be disruptive so they might get a move or or not or just just not working out for them so it's how you can bring them all together is a massive massive challenge but for me you'd love to be able to say and that's where I that's where I've got to now because I thought in even my, my the last job I was doing I was doing some really really good things behind the scenes we had a ladies team that was getting integrated. First time they've been professional. We've got fantastic medical staff, sports science staff, the academy. We're playing the academy players. And you bring it all together. And you've, you go on all these courses. You go and learn all the years experience you've got, how you can bring everybody together. But ultimately, maybe somebody else recruits a little bit. The owners all want to have their little say or for for several reasons that go on behind the scenes and players levels of fitness are maybe not what they can be, should be when you recruit them and they're brought in, they need a little bit of time. And and so is that something that is a code for managers or is that something that is sort of connected to your personal philosophy? Um, having thought about this turnover, thought about the, the challenges, thought about the pressures of coping under pressure, but also then having a a methodology, a way of being when you're not in that environment, when you're away from it? Is that something you've cultured over time? I think I've just tried to be me. And it's kind of like you've got value. I think values are so important. So you've got values in life. And I think you, that gives you a, a template to start off with where you live your values, live your values every day. I think that's an important thing. And obviously over time, I've been able to, I've done a lot of research. I'm always learning. I've always have done. You know, I started as a player. I'm lying in my hospital bed at 23. I've been played at Wigan. I've just had double fractured spinal fusion. I think, oh, I'm never going to walk again. I'm never going to play again. All these silly things that go through your mind. 
Um, what am I going to go and do? Right, well, I'm going to learn as much as I can. I'd already learned a few things anyway, but I've always been a, a student of the human body, football, football, I'm massively passionate about it. How can we extract every ounce of potential from yourself from the player? You know, when I went in at Southampton, for example, we'd left Scunthorpe, who were like 23rd in League League One, you know, Scunthorpe in the Championship, Southampton 23rd in League One. And all of a sudden, so I've had a chat with a, a quick meeting with the players to tell them, you know, give me a bit of a framework of where we were going. I was going to have a one-on-one meeting with them. Then I sat down with the staff and all of a sudden I've got two full-time doctors, three physios, strength and conditioning coaches, goalkeeping coaches, outfield coaches, analysts. And I've got all these staff and I'm thinking, oh, okay. So I just said, right, I'm here and... I've got empathy for everybody. And you all think your position is more important than everybody else. I've been on physio courses and they slag the coaches off and they slag the S&Cs off. I go on strength and conditioning courses. They slag the coaches off and the physios off. I go on coaching courses. They slag the S&Cs off and the physios off. Because everybody thinks that their role is more important. I'd like to think that's changed now. Uh, how do you how do you manage that then as a, so, as a, so, as a leader? Yeah. I've just sat there and said, listen, I've got empathy for you, empathy for you, empathy. I understand, right? Now, what we've got is only a small amount of time on the grass every day. Small amount of time with the players here. Our job is to extract every ounce of potential we've got out of the player. And then we've got to extract every ounce of potential we've got out of the player within the team and the team. And then we've got to go on this journey where we, where we want to go and do. And everybody is involved everybody has a role to play together everyone achieves more it's a team it's a team it's a team ethic that we have to go and have but i understand the frustrations you're going to have now what we've got to do is utilize the time as best as we can to get the best out of it and i would lock in the guys in the room the snc's the physio the coaches and we would say right we've got 90 minutes on the grass Right, we do periodized training through the course of the week, through the course of the season. We set it all out. Where we're going to try and do, obviously, the sports science is really, really important. We had Nick Harvey at the time; he's out in Vietnam now. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Dean Wilkins, Andy Crosby, two coaches, really good. And what we would do is we would come up with, right, there's the time on the grass. These are the fitness parameters we need to hit. These are the technical stuff we've got again in the technical stuff. And we would we we spent more or less half a season coming up with a scenario that we need. Then the following season we, we got ourselves promoted. The following season, pre-season was brilliant. We changed pre-season around a lot. And we became the fit we were for me we were the fittest team in the league by a million miles. And we were in the top two for the whole season. I think we were the fittest team in the Premier League as well at the time. Um when we got to the Premier League. And that was down to the training programme, the culture, the application of the players. But for me, it was all about the collaboration of all of the staff. So that sounds like um, uh, a method you would use as a as the leader in that, in that group of providing absolute clarity. You know, we, we're here to do this. We've got this amount of time. Um, let's optimise. Th- those sorts of statements, for me, if I was hearing those on a team, I'd be thinking, right, I know where I'm going now. I know what the boss needs. I know what we're all pulling towards. Is that a specific 
tactic that you would use to try and in, you know improve the the feeling as as a manager? You know, I can imagine it. We, it could feel quite isolating to sort of just be on your own as the kind of pinnacle. Uh, the the sort of eagle based leader in that scenario, potentially you're going to be isolated. Um, so is that a tactic to actually distribute some of the stresses for you by getting collective unity, shared purpose in a team? So that's a, it's an interesting way of putting it. Um, I hadn't thought of it that way. For me, it's about belonging. So we've all got a belonging, and then it's all about that shared vision of. We're here. What's our purpose? Why are we here? As I said before, why get out of bed in the morning and come to work? I need to understand the individual. But clarity is so important. We are here. These are the parameters. This is the framework. This is the vision. This is where we're going. So, for example, at Southampton, 23rd, 24th in League One when we took over, <clears throat> we are going to go to the Premier League. There's our vision. Clear. We're going to the Premier League. How we get there is going to be defined by time, but we will get there. We have got to get ourselves ready to play in the Premier League. So that dictates how we're going to go and play, how we're going to pull. We're going to have to move the ball quickly because the higher we go, the defences will be more compact. So we've got to play quick football. So we've got to be able to break them down. So there's loads of different strategies we put in place, but it was a, a belonging. As I said, I mentioned all this, about all the staff. You're valued. You're a valued member of our staff. You're a valued member of our team. And without you, we can't achieve what we're going to go and do. That's a real important thing. So when we were at Scunthorpe United, Brian Laws left and went to Sheffield Wednesday. The owner asked me to take over and be the, the manager. Who do you want to help? So I had Andy Crosby as the captain and Ian Barraclough as a senior player, who with my role as a physio, I'd got to know them anyway, you know. Uh, so I took over and I said to them, very first day, I said, right, I'm in charge. I said, but we need to work as a team. I want honest conversation. I don't want yes men around me because yes men doesn't get us anywhere. All right. I need to ask you things. You need to be honest with me. All right. Check and challenge. Be able to go and do that in a closed room. I'll listen to your opinion. But when we go out of the room, we're singing off a same hinge sheet because I've seen it before at different football clubs. Down the corridor, I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have done that. No, you've got your voice, the right time. We're all together. And I just said, listen, what we'll do is we'll try and win the league, which we did. Scotland United won League One. And we went into the championship, got relegated, bounced straight back again. Ian Barrack has gone on to become the Northern Ireland manager. Uh, Cross is doing great now with Paul Vale and he'd stayed with me all the way through because you need to have people you're surrounded with who've got your back as well, you know, which is an important thing because we're all going to be, it's all going to be, we will be successful together, but you're valued in what you're doing and you've got a voice as well, which is so, so important. And and how do you, how do you recruit for that? So those are behaviors. Those are, those are the standards of behavior that you'd expect and, and want for stability for them to provide you with support, but challenge. Um, is that something that's earned with experience um, in terms of, I know that person rather than like a, you know, just a blank recruitment where you'd go out to advert and you'd interview somebody or, 
Or is it actually, I need to know this person. I need to have sort of journeyed with them, traveled with them. We've experienced something together. And therefore, I know what you're like under pressure. I know what you're like day to day. I know that you add value. And I know that we trust each other. Because when it comes to the push, it comes to shove, the dynamics between us are strong, regardless of whatever whatever's happening. Is that something you have to experience as opposed to you can find it at recruitment? It, good question. Um, I've been very lucky. Trust is such, so important. Trust, right? I've been so fortunate that men's Dean Barraclough, Andy Crosby, we were at Scunthorpe together. Um, and then we've gone down to Southampton together. And then took him to Reading with me, took him to Sheffield okay. United, took him to Hull. That sense of Andy the backroom Crosby, staff traveling and, and moving yeah, on so, with staff. Yeah, so that was me, me and Crosby. We left Barrett Scunthorpe to become the manager because I said to both of them when we took over, I said, listen, I've been a manager before at, at Bangor City. You know, we won the League of Wales. We played in the European Cup. I was player manager. I wasn't, I wasn't in search of being a manager again because I've, I've been through that situation. But the owner had asked me, put in the situation. So it's kind of like, if you're going to do it, let's let's run with it. But both of you need to experience being a manager because it's totally different than being a co- being a player and being a, pe- a coach. Because ultimately, everybody's looking at you, and you've got the final say, right? And your head's on the on the line, as we talked about before, that, that you lose your job. So both of you need to experience being a manager. Luckily, I've had like, as I said. Over a thousand games in, in a dressing room, where that's five hundred and whatever it was, fifty-seven as a physio, five hundred and sixty-four, eighty-four, or whatever it is, as a manager in the football league, a couple of hundred non-league, add in over three hundred as, as a player. You've got experiences you can draw on, and I like to think that I've got that bit of emotional, emotional intelligence. I'm quite calm in what I go and do, and quite measured in what I go and do. So to be able to listen to somebody, let them vent, let them talk about the scenario, tell me how good they're doing, you know, it's great. Remind them how good they're doing uh, is an important thing, and that's that safety net. Now, I had that with Andy Crosby, for example, but there's a lot of things I couldn't tell Andy Crosby because when you're a manager, um, there's a lot of things that need to be – you can't tell everybody what's going on, you know. There's a lot of things that are private. So so that's important, and I think – that's where a manager sometimes when he steps up from being a coach to the manager, he's only had so many things to do. Then all of a sudden he becomes the manager. Time. Time is the essence to win, to stay in a job. But time, as in the amount of time in a day, in a week, the amount of time you are needed by everybody. Everybody wants to engage with you. You have the players. You've got the staff. You've got the media department, you've got the commercial department, the marketing department, you've got the um, the owners, you've got the recruitment department. Your time is at such a premium. And ultimately you're thinking, well, I've got to get this training session put on. Yeah, but you need to speak to this person and this person. I had an interesting one. We, I'm doing a really important, I'm at Reading, we did a really, really important team meeting. I'm in the dressing room because we it was a really important meeting. It was flowing. And all of a sudden there was a knock on the door, gaffer, gaffer. What the Dalai Lama's here, and you've got to go and fe- you've got to go and feed him his food because he's got to he's got to eat before twelve o'clock. I think it was. Well, what are you on about? So we had the owners from Thailand 
they brought the Delhi armor in to go and bless the training ground, right? Bless my offers. And I've got to go, I've got to go and offer him his food as a, as a gesture. I'm right in the middle of this meeting. You're thinking, right? You've got to, you've got to use your brain a little bit here. <laughs> Did you think, um, well, so, so we it, might, it might help the results. <laughs> well, but, but there it was. And he, so after, yeah, and he's there and he looked. So it was, uh, but there's loads and loads of different things that you're getting pulled from pillar to post. And as I said, the media's a big thing. I asked Sir Alex Ferguson this. So we we played um, Man United at St. Mary's in the FA Cup first year. And uh, after the game, done the media, gone in, glass of wine with him. I said, go on to Sir Alex, vastly experienced, words of it, words of wisdom. And I was always, I'm always asking questions, words of wisdom. Um, Besides winning, because I know you've got to win, the longevity of manager, what do you need to go and do? Look after your health, keep up with the latest trends, change your staff around, get a hobby outside of football so you can take your mind off it. You need that third space, you know? Yeah. I've always found it really beneficial to go walking. So even after, even when I'm in work, training, I do some, I, I'm, all, I'm always up really early anyway. I do some physical stuff in the gym beforehand, so I've got that. After training, I'd always walk around the, the training ground, the training ground pitches. So one is give me a little bit of exercise. But two, if anybody needs to have a conversation with me, you know, when you always say the, the managers go, doors always open, come to the office. Quite a lot of, they can physically see me. If they want, if they want me, I'm here. Come and have a chat with me. Well, let's go and have a walk. And that's where we probably get into. And this is where I am now, where my research that I'm looking at as players. If you're sleeping properly, you're recovering properly, so you can make better decisions. If you're doing your exercise right in different ways, you know, I like to walk, I like to swim, do a little bit of strength work. That keeps you right to make the right decisions. If you get your nutrition right, it makes you right to make the right decisions. Even like what you're eating through the day affects how your sleep is. What you're drinking through the day affects how your sleep is. So if you can get all these things right, as we talk about a team staff of teams going around a player, if you can get all these factors right, you've got more of an opportunity to extract every ounce of potential from a player. If you get your exercise, nutrition, your sleep, you've got more chance to extract from yourself. And if you get your relationships right. You know, I'm lucky I've been married 37 years. Unbelievable relationship. You also need somebody, you touched on it before, external from your family, okay. external from work. Because what you don't want to be doing is bringing issues home family and your health are the two most important things across the board there'll mm. always be another person taking your position in job it's your family and your health your health is your wealth and your relationships that that is the two most fundamental things and i've always said to to everybody and all the staff and all the players that comes first if you get you that think, right it helps do you think that's prioritized enough when you're in job, do you think that there's almost an acceptance that's going to be a cost to family, to health, to your mental health in in role? That, I think that's how it has been. Okay. I'd like to think that is going to change because that's not a good thing for anybody. It's to going be to in. change, or do you think there are signs I, that actually momentum's moving in that direction? I think we need to make a change. Because too many coaches, I, you know, I say I'm I'm a, I'm a big reader, and there's a lot of guys that I go and speak to, support, whichever way you want to go and phrase it. 
And too many are leaving the game because they're burnt out. The cost to the family, they don't see the family, don't see the kids growing up. The unsocial hours that they go and work. Now, there has to be the balance. And the balance is, yeah, what's your job? Do your job. What are we trying to achieve? Now, we want to be on this journey for a long time. Do you want people, members of staff, players who are constantly leaving, one, because they're burnt out or they're injured, the families are broken down? No, you want them to stay with you for a long time. We talked about short You lose that experience too. You lose the experience from, from you've been there and done it over time and you've been open-minded enough to learn within that, that role. Um, and we can utilize that rather than flog somebody don't give them any don't give them any time or license to go and explore or learn and but they they then just go right i'm out, i'm out i've seen so many times certainly in the backroom yeah. staff that they're actually this isn't sustainable for me i'll do it for 10 years you know now i've got a young family actually i'm going to stop now i want to give you as much as i can to help you and again you look at several of the members of staff they've gone on to do to do great things uh, and you want that for them you want them to do really well. But again, you have to have confidence in your own ability. But for me, it's kind of like you're starting again. So as they alluded to there, you're doing a lot of really good things behind the scenes. But because we were losing some games, it got quite volatile and maybe the expectation wasn't where we were. And I was as frustrated as anybody as the owners apologised uh, because we didn't get things done what we should have got done in the right order. Um mm. Well, that's that's life. Now you you move on. Don't be a victim. Move on, which is which is an important thing. But again, these are great lessons learned, and again, lessons you can share. And that's what I try and do a lot behind the scenes, quietly with with people that um, just trying to pass on that experience that you've got and that knowledge you've got. Um, it's interesting your some of your words there about you know that sort of machismo, the the macho sort of role, the the status as a, as a leader that, that perhaps people aren't as open to, to say, I need external support, you know, that idea of a quiet word outside. And, um, what just listening to you, it just strike me as though there's, um, there's like a tipping point almost we're expecting that, that people are a little bit more open in those leadership roles of saying, I need some support outside. Um, we're getting this wave of elite athletes around the world, global superstars who are saying, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm struggling at the moment, or it's not quite as easy. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for that to happen in, <laughs> in football, maybe, um, that, that actually I need a bit of support. I need some, um, extra help from the boss or someone outside that coaching the coaches seems like a real opportunity. It was always deemed, um, a weakness if you see a psychologist. Yeah, okay. Well, alpha male, you've got to remember, the guys who play in the, in the arena, the, the players who've got there, they've probably got there 90% of the time because they're alpha males, mm. right? They're this big, macho, bravo. I had one player I remember, he's played at the top level, big sensor forward, and I pulled him in one day and I just said, are we getting on? And we're having a chat. And again, I said, listen, are you all right? because you've got this front on, because you have to be seen to have this front on. Now, I know I'm the manager, but I've also been the physio, and I know what confidentiality is all about, and I'm here to help you. I'm not going to judge you, and you need you need to be able to have somebody you can just talk to, 
he knew that he could say something to me. It wasn't going to go anywhere else. He wasn't going to get judged on it. He wasn't going to get left out the team because of that. And again, you're just trying to help. It's what I've, what I've taken from this conversation is um, is a lot uh, that you've got a sense of really dealing with reality. You have to kind of be grounded in in where you're at to take the the step back to be thinking, investing in healthy behaviours, getting support from not not just the team within the team, but also outside um, the value of the, that team ethic and that culture that you, you look to develop and, and just that, that sense of, of intuition and natural inclination to think about human behaviors. And so I'm massively appreciative of your time, Nigel. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you very much for inviting me on and um, I've really enjoyed the conversation and thanks for letting me uh, talk. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to listen i really hope you enjoyed this week's conversation now we've got plenty more to come so if you'd like to support and champion us then take the time to subscribe and leave a review on spotify itunes stitcher youtube or wherever you tune in you can also give us a follow on twitter instagram and linkedin all the links are in the show notes so in the meantime have a great week